All right. Happy to have you along, ladies and gentlemen. This is Tech Watch Radio brought to you by Network Providers, Inc. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. I am Sam Bushman. Jay Harrison's with me. Welcome, sir. Greetings, Sam, and greetings to all the listeners. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. And as Christmas comes up, no cyber truck for Jay. Sad to say. We've been talking about that for the last several weeks because it's on again, off again with Elon Musk. Uh, they do have trucks out that are a hundred grand. People are loving them. The forty grand truck is the days of that is gone. They say that they might get to, uh, down to sixty grand. Other truck manufacturers are making them for fifty. But these trucks are very unique, and these cars are very unique. They're hardened. They're fast. They're powerful. Electricity does some amazing things. There's no question about it. And eventually, at some point, it will be the next gen. I don't believe we're ready for prime time because I don't believe we have charging stations all over the country. Uh, I don't believe we can charge fast enough. I don't believe we've dealt with a lot of the problems in terms of uh, if the battery gets somehow wet in a storm or something like that. And then the, the sodium in the battery gets somehow with whatever. And then pretty soon it, you know, spontaneously combusts. And, you know, we've got a lot of issues to resolve still. We're not there yet. But we're getting there. And it's getting there fast. And the uh, technology is so promising. Okay, so I, I'm, from a tech point of view, we're not even close, but we're gaining ground big time. And I award it. I think it's great. I always want the best technology coming to the table. Well, anyway, the reason that I'm bringing this up right now, though, is that you usually talk about the high end. Everything is expensive as all get out, and eventually it becomes affordable. And that's kind of what we're seeing in this high end, quote, electric vehicle market. You know, they're tough as heck. They're almost like military vehicles. Uh, they're fast, they're strong, they're powerful, they're incredible, and they're super expensive, and you can't even hardly get your hands on them. Well, people have thought about that in computing forever, the supercomputer, the great computer, the fastest computer in the world, the quantum computing, and all that, right? Well, I the other end of the discussion, uh, that's right, that's exactly the point. The other end of the market, though, was these people that said, hey, I'm going to build a l- l- simple, simple, simple computer. I'm going to just put it on a circuit board. It's not even going to have a case or anything. I'm going to just take away all the, the, the frills and all the, and I'm going to build, and it became a pie. You know, the PI, right? Raspberry Pi. And the Raspberry Pi started out really simple. I mean, you could get them for literally 25, 30 bucks, but they didn't have anything. They didn't have a power supply. They didn't have a case. They didn't already have any. Then, hey, you know, they started adding a little bit, a little, little, little bit, a little bit. Then they had plastic cases, and then they got metal cases. And now they the, added the, Wi-Fi the point, and Bluetooth and HDMI. And, yeah, they yeah. made it into a full-fledged computer now. And and they've literally then now they've got metal cases. They come in. Instead of having to build them all yourself, you can just buy them pretty much pre-made. They run a uh, embedded version of Linux, and now they can run some versions of Windows. Um, I mean, they're really gaining ground. And no, they're not twenty-five bucks, thirty bucks anymore. They're more like fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks. But still, look what strides they've made. I mean, you can get literally a computer built on this ARM technology. Um, that's that's. I mean, it's capable of really almost becoming a basic office computer pretty soon. It it's definitely a thin could be a client, desktop. but powerful, right? Yeah. You could use it as a desktop. I'm convinced most people could get by with their office applications, and there'd be a little bit of a learning curve for Linux compared to maybe Windows or Mac, if whatever they're used to. But you could definitely use the latest Raspberry Pi, especially the 5, but even the 4, um, as your desktop computer with dual monitors and everything. And, it, and so all I'm telling you is it's getting more and more and more like that. And so I, the point is that you start at the top end expensive or the cheap end the little, and, and you find usable, realistic 
you know, supply and demand value in the middle somewhere. I mean, that's how innovation occurs, right? Well, I'm bringing this up because I'd love to see Tesla or, you know, some of these other companies, maybe some new guy. I'd like to see them develop an inexpensive car that was similar. Now, you can say, well, Sam, they're already working on that with e-bikes. They're working on that with some of these e-scooters. I mean, they're incredible. You see them all around town. I know. I get it. But, you know, it's hard to kind of ride an e-scooter, especially if you want to carry some groceries or, you know, if you just don't, you know, feel comfortable on two wheels or whatever. You're an older adult or whatever. Um, you say, well, Sam, there's golf carts that do that. Some of them are electric. I know. I get it. There's also like razors, which are like kind of an open vehicle that are, uh, it's almost like some of them have tops. Some of them are kind of convertibles, but they're, you know, but I want to see somebody develop. Made by Polaris. They're like the um, yeah, Kubotas Polaris, or yep. the Polaris, um, like off-road recreational vehicles, like super, super golf carts, but usually gas engines. Yeah, but, but a lot of them aren't even off-road, though. A lot of people just use them around town and stuff, too. They do. There's communities here in Florida where uh, you have yeah, golf like cart communities. And such. Yeah, exactly. And you, you can go anywhere you want on a golf cart. Like, you, you share the roads with golf carts and um, they kind of have priority. They're like like pedestrians as far as in the traffic bikes, patterns. Yeah, bicycles yeah. and stuff. Anyway, the reason I'm bringing all this up, though, is I'd like to see somebody develop me. You know, they started with a smart car, and it was a very small, tiny car that got great gas miles and everything else. But what about doing an electric vehicle for me that was low cost, that didn't go fast? You know, I'm not going to drive it to Grandma's house 300 miles away. Uh, but you know what? If I'm going to go to the store and get groceries, though, if it was inexpensive, see, I'd buy one. And they have got to do this because if you start like the pie kind of innovation idea, so some people are starting at the top and working their way down. We need people working at the bottom, working their way up. And eventually you're going to find a supply and demand sweet spot is the point. Technologically, I, I really would love to see that, Jay. I think that there are solutions like this. So in Korea and places like that, you've got these K cars yeah, and no, K but now trucks. you just left the country. Okay, well, we'll talk about one here right now. You can buy a Mitsubishi Mirage G4 brand new in around the $18,000 range. That's much cheaper. It's a sub $20,000 even today with inflation. And that car is like the 12th most reliable and cheapest to own and, and to repair uh, right now in the world. And it's a very nice car. I mean, a lot of people use them for college kids and stuff like that. It's is it a, electric? No, it's a gas motor, but it's like See, a 1.3 I, mean. I need electric, and I need it cheaper. Well, the problem is the lithium batteries and stuff. The electric is still I know. a premium. You know, it's still. I know, but that's my point about the pie, though. See, in the beginning, if we were talking about a pie before this, everybody would be like, oh, no, Sam, even a circuit board costs more than that. Oh, no, Sam, if you got a power supply, and it would never be able to do and now we have. And so we've got to miniaturize these things. We've got to find ways. We've got to find how can it suck less power and how can it not. I don't need to pull a Porsche behind my truck and have so much torque and so much power and so much battery. I can just run this thing. We need to learn to deal on a trickle charge. We need to, instead of an, an AC, kind of a DC mode, we need to learn to, to do it and, and, and take less power and have less speed and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff is what I'm talking about. There's another thing that I've seen recently where people are doing, and they're taking uh, – it's sort of the base of a mobility scooter. So think of the four-wheeled, yes. bigger mobility scooters and have a two-passenger, but it's one in front of the other instead of side-by-side. Side. And these right. are electric, 
and they're running in the five to ten thousand dollar range, but they're completely covered. They've got like air conditioning and climate controls, and you can drive these around in the city. And because they're a mobility scooter, they can go on the sidewalk and they can go in the building even if you wanted to. Like they're they're covered as a mobility scooter, even though they look like a, a very tiny car. And you know, those will get up to thirty miles an hour. Yep. So now all we gotta do is scale those and make them available for the masses. And now you got to make them available like those little scooters all over town. Yeah, I think it's happening. I just don't think that. I, I mean, I know where you're coming from, Sam. I, I hear what you're saying, and I even agree with it in, in to some degree. Uh, although I'm, I'm probably more of the bigger, faster kind of a guy, but um, I, I don't think there's as much demand, or we would see more of that. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like saying it's hey, just not popular years right ago. Now. Think about a hundred years ago. Oh, there's not much demand for the iPhone. Therefore, that's why we don't have one. Well, well, maybe, but what happened is we, we developed new technology, and then uh, over time, people are like, you're telling me that I would have to live without a Roku TV? Are you kidding me? Are you serious? Um, so I think a lot of times we, we find that there's technologies that we have and use and depend on that we didn't really know we needed. Uh, you know, I watch old TV shows sometimes, and some of the old TV shows have when, when phones came to town. So this person would come to town, and then they'd have these board switch operators that would, you know, run around and plug in cords so you could connect. Steve, I got Larry on the line, and hold on, and they plug in a bunch of cords, and Larry, Steve's there, uh, you know. And, and now just imagine if you couldn't call somebody. And so I think a lot of times, you know, when does demand lead supply versus supply and availability, and, and when do you build a need for something? And Apple's been incredible at that, right? Certainly. Jay has a watch, and he didn't even think one would be valuable at one point, right? That's true, yeah. I just thought it was gimmicky and um, wouldn't be. And it was, kind of. A little bit, yeah. But it's also very convenient, you know, from having to take your phone out. And now my watch has cellular on it, so now it's even a backup to my phone. So if my phone gets lost or left behind or whatever or dropped in a lake or whatever, um, you know, I have a lot of, like, two-factor passwords and things like that and, and text messages for authenticating and things. I can't just be down on all that stuff. So it, it's that's right. a critical Agreed. piece of tech now in my kit today. You know? So that's kind of why I'm bringing this up. I know what you're saying, and I don't disagree, uh, but I'm convinced as we have more of these sustainable communities and more of these, you know, more and more people are going to want these slower, simple, less expensive, easier uh, modes of transportation. I just can't buy a $70,000 car if I work from home, and all I need to do is go to the store in a few places for the most part a couple of miles away. Sam, I think you're just gearing up for retirement. <laughs> and, 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 and all I'm saying is I can't be outside on a scooter in the snow. Right. Just can't be doing that. So it, there's got to be a better way. Anyway, maybe maybe somebody listening to this show, uh, maybe Elon or somebody like that's going to go, you know what, That's a Sam's brilliant. we got to come up with something. we got to take this a little further. That would be the hope. Uh, anyway, I, I bring it up because there's just a lot of interesting new unique technology coming to the table for all of us and i think we're going to depend on things ai is another example that we didn't even know we needed or used i'm starting to use ai in so many places it's not even funny jay that's very true i do too i use it daily now so and and you know i'm not saying i can't imagine a world without it i lived in a world without it uh, but i also can see the advantage of it and rather than thinking ai is going to take away your job you need to think about saying hey how can AI make me a super employee is what you really want to think. Yeah, it's not perfect. It's like, you know, when, when the Internet or Wikipedia comes online, it's not going to it's not going to be your end all source for everything. 
but it is going to make looking something up a lot easier you know, to go online and look something up on Wikipedia just to get a general knowledge or to get some sources on where to go than to, like, go to your local library and search through a card catalog. It's that kind of shift. And, but it's but AI is not going to be perfect, and it's not going to just, you know, give you the answer oftentimes unless your answer is very quick and short. But if you're trying to develop something or you're trying to build something, it can help, and it can be great help, and it can be very fast. But it's not going to be the answer yet. We're not there. All right, the headline says Sam has an idea. Imagine that. <laughs> He's full of All ideas. All right, genetic, genetic testing company. <clears throat> 23andMe. Not having a good Christmas season, Jay. No. At all. They announced that hackers uh, accessed around 14,000 customer accounts, um, in the company's recent, quote, data breach, they say. They say in a new filing with the uh, SEC, that's the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, they had to kind of admit to this. It didn't go well at all, and it's bad. Um, and they say it's a small amount of their customers, which may be true, but it doesn't change the fact that it erodes trust and faith and confidence. And we're not just talking about, hey, um, we lost your password to TikTok or something yeah, you or your username. Or your phone number we're talking about dna and we're talking about okay so this is way more serious than people realize even though the breach is is comparatively small jay it is you can't just reset your genome you know it's not like that easy like it's permanent and once it gets out and your your information's out there what are you going to do about it you can't do anything yeah they might say well fourteen thousand is just a small percentage of our people well for those fourteen thousand, it's it's everything you know there that's a hundred percent what are those guys going to do? Yeah, and they don't really go into everything that was breached. I don't think your DNA, you know, I don't think they downloaded your whole DNA genome and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times these breaches are smaller than people think. The problem is that you can put pieces together if you're good at this stuff, these hackers, and they can eventually build dossier and one piece from here, one piece from there, one piece from there, one piece from there. Pretty soon it seems like the next teeny piece, but it solves a puzzle that then lets them into the next piece and the next piece. And the problem is the dossier uh, and the security breaches continue to grow and piggyback on one another in some very unfavorable ways. I have never been convinced that um, sending your DNA off to these kind of companies is worth it yet. Um, because, and I've always been, you know, afraid of this kind of thing. And actually not even the, this to hackers getting used. What's The problem is it being misused or used by governments or other entities, national states, whatever. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. I don't know. I've never been comfortable with it. Have you ever done one of these, Sam? So you, wouldn't, you wouldn't take a DNA test, Jay? I don't think I would, no. I don't. I never have. Okay. I mean, I've been offered and people, you know, I've been in tech. I'm, I'm a uh, kind of a bleeding edge tech guy in, a, in whatever, and yeah. I've known about these. Um, what is it, 23andMe? What's the other one? There's another big one. Ancestry. Yeah. There's a bunch. And, and I see some benefits, and I've been curious about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of neat. I, but I, I haven't felt like the trade off was worth it. Like, I'm going to get gotta all these guys. We got to do a show about it because I know a ton about it. I've done yeah. mine, and I've got almost my whole family done. And it is interesting, but it's not like you. Here's the thing if you could turn this over and you could get the results and you could see it, and then they hand it all back to you and they give you the data and they're done and they wipe it from their servers, super. The problem is, what do they do with all that information later on? Like, who's getting Here's it? My Not just hackers, but everybody else. Here's my response. I'm almost 60 years old, and who cares? What are you going to do with it? Well, and I can see that point, but... Tell me what you're going to do with it. 
Let's say I give you a copy. I can download a file right now and give you a copy of it. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. But could you? I don't, I don't mean just Jay. I'm not challenging yeah. you personally. I'm talking about tech-wise. What can you are you going to do with it? I don't know. I think people can, like, um, and this may be a, just shooting from the hip, but people can, um, oh, research your past and be like, oh, well, you, Go you ahead. Know, three ways from here, you were related to Hitler or something like it. That's fine. I don't know. I Go just ahead. think it's don't care. goofy. It's and. I, right. I see just because I can't predict all the ways that it can be abused or misused doesn't mean that it won't be right. You're at, you're exactly right. But if that's the case, man, you can't even connect to the Internet. Well, there's merit to that thought, too, at least. Because how do we know that off your latest Starbucks uh, hot chocolate you got for Christmas, they didn't swipe your DNA from the cup when you threw it away and they already got it. That's true. And I mean, look at how much our phones are recording of just where we go, what we do, when we stop, how fast we're traveling. I mean, all that. So can they take the DNA from your fingerprint when they when they when you scan your fingerprint uh, and you put it in your phone? Can they take that and then turn that into DNA? Supposedly not, because it's supposed to be a hash, a one way hash. But yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Of course not. Absolutely not. Can AI do it? I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Not yet. I don't think so either. But my point is, we don't know these things, right? Of course. My point is, we don't really know what technology they really have, and what they can do, and how they can get it, and how much DNA they already have, and what they're already doing with it. The next question is, how much does my DNA relate to Jay? How different is my DNA really from Jay? It's a good question. I mean, we're I both know. human. What percent is human? <clears throat> if you will, versus what percent makes us different. Uh, and the reason I'm saying this is they usually say, hey, between everybody, there's like, you know, three degrees of separation or something like that. If you go yeah, seven separations, you're connected to everybody or whatever it is, right? Right, yep. So anyway, I don't I don't really mean Sam and Jay. That's not my point. My, my point is that how different are we all anyway, and how much does the difference of my DNA matter for them to have versus the differences of somebody else's? So the reason I bring that up is forget Jay because him and I are not even related, except for brothers from a different mother, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. But but we're not really related in any literal way, okay? However, what if um, my grandson does DNA? Just say. And I don't because I'm against it. And I'm a tech guy. No, no. How different is my grandson from mine? Right. I mean, it's human, first of all. Secondly, it's got, you know, you got half any kid has half mom, half dad, right? In a variety of, it's not all the same. If you have 10 yep. kids, just say, your DNA is not all the same. You got two genes each and you pass them all along. So they're different and a gazillion combinations, but how different are they really in the end of the day? And if you start sequencing DNA, how different is it really? And is there, everybody's completely 100% DNA different or they're just DNA, um, it's kind of like blood types. There's only a certain number of blood types that we know of, right? Yeah, but I think that's a major category. I think everybody's DNA is completely unique. It's it sort is of like unique. A, having a um, super long entropy password. I mean, it, the uh, it is unique, but is it a hundred percent unique only because of the combinations, or is it unique in that you've got some kind of subhuman DNA different than the rest of the humans, or different? See what I mean? Yeah. Is it different because of the combinations put together, or is it different because you have some molecules different from everybody else? I don't know the answers. And I'm not here to debate that everybody should get a DNA test. I'm here to tell you that 23andMe got hacked, and I'm here to tell you it's a sad day. And I'm here to tell you that, you know what? 
um, whether you put your DNA out there or not, this stuff can be hacked. Whether you put your, well, the next headline says this, most common passwords, guess how long they take to hack, Jay? Uh, or to crack. Fractions of a second. Yeah, they say most common passwords take less than a second to crack. Um, you know what number one on the list is? Uh, monkey one, two, three. Just one, two, three. Oh, that was close. <laughs> and the next one is, ready? Yep. I love one, two, you. three, four, five, six. Oh, they're probably going by length. They're, these are probably <laughs> sorted by length or or alphabetically where numerics are going to the top. Yeah. Anyway, I find it interesting, but the point is, is most common passwords take a second or less to crack. Oh, you can go on the internet and you can get um, just tables of common passwords. You know, you can get the first 40,000 common passwords and you can, depending on how fast the interface you're trying to brute force can accept passwords, you know, you can run through the first 40,000 of them in a, a few seconds. And um, if you're trying to brute force a specific credential or just anything, you can you can just start running all this stuff through there, and that's that's what people do. That's what password stuffing credentials are. They they take uh, breaches from other sites and where they can see this thing, and then they run it through all the other sites. So they'll go to Dropbox and Facebook and Microsoft and Google and everything else, and oftentimes they get plenty of other hits because of password reuse. People got to stop reusing passwords. You're right about that. Reusing passwords is one of the biggest mistakes you can make. In my opinion, one of the other biggest mistakes is using words in passwords. Uh, unless you're very unique about the words that you use. Um, uppercase, lowercase, the longer the password, the better. Letters, numbers, unique symbols. Um, and most of these companies are starting to force a lot of these things into place to where you have to do these things. They are, but and some of them are getting to ridiculous. Make, uh, they are. Make every password different and use a password manager is my, is my recommendation. Definitely. Now, Sam and I were working on uh, a password the other day. And they're literally, they, you couldn't have more than two consecutive numbers. You couldn't have more than two letters in the alphabet. You know, like, there's plenty of words where you have three letters that consecutively show up in the alphabet. I mean, their, their password constraints were really weird. Yeah, but they and weren't the, even in the same, they weren't even in the same list. Like, just take the letter I. The letter I might have existed in this big, long password three times. That's not acceptable, even if it's not in a row or near each other. Yeah, that's. So that, to me, makes people make really stupid passwords. The other thing that makes people make stupid passwords is when you expire them arbitrarily for no reason. Now, if you've had a hack or you've had a breach or something, of course, expire everybody's passwords, make them, reset them. But just like, hey, every 30 days or every 90 days we're going to reset passwords, people have to make stupid ones unless they're using a password manager. But even then, they'll do the same thing. They'll just add a number to it or whatever to, to change their password. And that's problematic, too. Uh, uh, folks, we've got to make the next steps in this. But I'm telling you right now, use unique longer passwords, and most importantly, make your password different from everything else. In other words, each place that you go to have a different password. And that way, if one gets breached, the rest aren't breached. And then most importantly, use a good password manager. Uh, Jay, you use, uh, what's that thing called? Bitwarden is the one I like. It's open source. Bitwarden. Very secure. It's open source, one of the best ones. I use what's called Keeper Security. Those are probably two of the best ones. I'm not saying there's not other good ones out there. And I'm not really trying to promote a specific one over another one. I just know those are two that we're very familiar with. We used to use LastPass. They've had too many um, troubles. But they had a little bit of a blip or two, kind of like 23andMe kind of thing, and we didn't like it. So we, anyway. Yeah. There you go. Uh, anyway, we want you guys all to uh, think tech. Remember that we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. So the idea is, rather than you go studying all the tech out there in the world, just listen 
to Tech Watch. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. We are tech security people for a living. Jay and I are both IT consultants in the real world. We have credentials. We deal with all kind of things from um, oh, security-minded things with banking. Some of the people that we work with work with banking, work with pharmacies, work with um, medical fields, work with all kinds of different credentials and everything else. And so you know what? We can help with tech. NPITechGuys.com is our site for the podcast, the show notes, show stories, and more. NetworkProvidersInc.com is our sponsor. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. Thanks so much, and make it a great tech day, will you? Hey, thanks. <laughs>